AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thank you for joining us, letting us uh, be part of your day and kick off a new week with you. We always appreciate it. Hope you had a good weekend. Beautiful harvest weather for a lot of the uh, Midwest and a lot of harvesting getting done. We'll have a harvest update from Illinois a little bit later on. Also today, we'll talk with DTM meteorologist John Baranek to see what kind of harvest weather we have for this week ahead. And we're going to talk biofuels with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. Uh, get his thoughts on these uh, reports that are out there about lower RVO levels. EPA is going to be releasing, it's assumed, and uh, his reaction to that. In the meantime, the biofuels industry continues to make their case of why biofuels should be used more, not less. So we'll talk with Jeff Cooper about that coming up a little bit later on. This looks to be a big, big week in Washington, D.C., with implications for the rest of the country for a long time to come. Let's talk it over with Sarah Wyant, editor and president of AgriPulse Communications. Sarah, good to talk with you. Thank you for joining us. Well, thank you, Mike. It is going to be an incredibly busy week in Washington, D.C. with so much at stake between the infrastructure package that's roughly $1 trillion, the $3.5 trillion Build Back Better package, and looking at a continuing resolution to keep the government running because funding will run out at the uh, end of the month. So uh, it's, yeah. it's crazy busy for everyone. Yeah, I don't know what order they're working on these, but I would think keeping the government open would be uh, job one right now. Well, there's certainly a pledge to do that, but they need to have all the Democrats uh, who are in the majority of both the House and the Senate stay on point on this. And, of course, today we'll see the House start to begin debate on uh, uh, these measures, looking at the Build Back Better plan. But there's so much controversy even within the party between those who want a very, very big package, this $3.5 trillion, and those on the Senate side like Joe Manchin from West Virginia and Kirsten Sinema from Arizona who say, wait a minute, there's certain things we need, but we probably don't need $3.5 trillion. So there's an expectation that they could get it all done, but a lot of political maneuvering going on and President Biden working the phones all over the weekend as we understand it. Yeah, uh, for the Biden administration, this this is a big week. They have a lot of problems and a lot of issues. Uh, if if they don't get somewhere close to what they're seeking this week, that that really is a a, a negative note for this administration and what they're trying to accomplish. Well, you know, the wish list has been very big, Mike, and this is a chance for Democrats to really shine and say, we've been holding this long package, you know, of of dreams that we want to accomplish, and if they can't get it done, it's really going to be troublesome as they head into the midterm elections where, you know, the politics around that has already started for next year. So it's uh, really imperative that they can show that they can govern and get some things done, but obviously not at all easy. And, uh, you know, agriculture has a lot at stake here, too. You probably noticed we broke the $28 billion in conservation provision story mm-hmm. last week. Um, we're going to have another one out on agripulse.com here in a little bit. It's got all the details on what's at, at, at stake for agriculture. Uh, Phil's going through the, the text as we speak, and so that story will be, be up here in the next hour or so. And, you know, there's there's just so many different things that can help agriculture, but also we have to be wary of what the pay-fors might be in some of this. doesn't look like stepped-up basis is on the menu anymore, but there could be some other provisions. Yeah, you've mentioned um, a lot on the line here uh, for Democrats. Really, when you look at it, whether it passes or not, if it passes, then they have to defend those payments, I think, the, the spending. And if it doesn't get passed, then they have to explain why they couldn't get something done. So either way, I think it'll be a big issue in the next uh, the elections next year, don't you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. This is, a, this is a huge test. And, you know, Republicans have been in this position before where they had, like, you know, so many folks in the uh, the uh, Freedom Caucus that were refusing to go along with raising 
debt ceilings, uh, which of course is another thing that they're going to have to face in, in uh, probably mid-October. Um, you know, when you get a lot of diversity within a party, it's hard to find that middle ground oftentimes. But this will be a test for Speaker Pelosi and President Biden and, and certainly uh, Chuck Schumer in the Senate to see if they can bring all those rivalry factions together and, and try to get to yes. Sometimes you have the luxury of voting against something you otherwise would have voted for, but you, you needed protection back in your district at election time, so you could go back and say, well, I voted no, because you knew it was going to pass. It's so close now, they really don't have that luxury, do they? No, they don't. It's a 50-50 Senate, and Vice President Kamala Harris can come in to break a tie, but in the House, they can't lose more than three Democrats. And Even over the weekend, the House Budget Committee started to, to vote on this package, and they lost a Democrat uh, I mean, they still were able to pass it 2017, but one Democrat was upset about a health care provision. So, you know, the, the, as you say, those messaging votes uh, are often very easy to take home to your district and use when you're campaigning, but they can't afford to have very many of those if they, if they can only lose three in the House. Uh, you helped break some big news last week. Uh... We're watching a lot from EPA Administrator Regan right now on the biofuels front, which we're going to talk about later with Jeff Cooper, but also uh, what he had to say last week about waters of the U.S. Yes, you know, um, uh, Mr. Reagan has um, said he's going to have an open-door policy and be able to make sure that he's talking to the ag community. And so um, in, in visiting with him, you know, a lot of folks are looking to see how he can take what people in ag country largely like in, in terms of having a wilderness rule that um, was workable versus, you know, what a lot of people want, and that is making it much tighter, much more restrictive. Uh, the environmental community would like to see much tighter reins on what it can be defined as a water of the United States. So he's going to try to, uh, you know, find whatever middle ground he can on that and I think it's going to be a difficult task. Uh, obviously, it won't please everyone, but if he can even just have a more practical approach than we had before the last rule was written and give people some certainty. You know, I was talking to Zippy Duvall last week in Washington, D.C., and he said that's one of the toughest things, that farmers have a really difficult time planning for a rule that can change every couple of years, either uh, through the regulators or by the courts. Yeah, about the time you think you have certainty on something, it changes again. You can almost count on it. So I guess uh, that's the certainty is that things will change. Sarah, as always, uh, thanks a lot. Uh, you and your, your uh, staff doing a great job covering these issues. We appreciate you being with us. Thank you. Well, thank you. And like I said, Mike, we'll have another big story out here within an hour. So stay tuned. It's going to be a lot to watch yeah. this week. We'll be watching. Thank you. Sarah Wyatt, President, Editor of AgriPulse communications. Meanwhile, harvest rolls on. What's the harvest weather forecast for this week? We'll talk with DTM meteorologist John Baranek next on AOA. Stay with us. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system. The system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. 
From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return. And success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover keytar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Well, it may be fall on the calendar, but we have still some uh, summer heat around. And let's talk about it with DTM meteorologist John Baranek. John, we got some warm temperatures here at the end of September. Yeah, if you like, uh, if you like the summertime, uh, you'll love the next few days here, especially in the eastern Corn Belt. Uh, temperatures getting up into the 80s and close to them. We might we may push 90 in a few spots here in Illinois. Uh, we'll definitely see that in the plains over the next couple of days too. Uh, so yeah, the next couple of days, if you have the chance to get out into the field, it looks like a, it looks like a great time to do it. Just a couple of days of that heat? Just a couple of days. So of the, the extreme heat, I guess, uh, what we'll see is we've got a, a ridge of high pressure that's going to be setting shop up uh, across Hudson Bay in Canada and, and down into the eastern Midwest. And uh, that's going to be blocking a whole lot of, of, of systems that are out in the, in the, in the western U.S. And, and, and Canada from, from pushing their way eastward at least too fast. But they're going to make their advances. So uh, we'll see showers really start to light up here in the plains on Wednesday and just kind of slowly meander their way eastward here over the following couple of days. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens with those systems. They're going to try their hardest to get through a little weakness in that ridge across the Midwest uh, come this weekend. And uh, models are really mixed on what they want to do with that. Uh, if, if you can kind of relate this to something like, like a hurricane forecast where you see a track of a hurricane kind of change uh, when it's beyond about day four, five, or six, uh, kind of drastically at times, this is kind of what we're going to be looking at as we're going to try and see if this system can move through the uh, through the ridge here in the Midwest later this week and this weekend, or if it gets stuck. And if it gets stuck, we could see rounds of showers just continuing into next week as well. Um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of scattered showers with it, uh, especially across the Corn Belt. Uh, but if we get days and days of showers, those are going to add up and cause delays for harvest. Mm, so that'll be a story to watch, whether that just moves through quickly or, or, or lingers. Meanwhile, a lot of harvesting is getting done. Uh, as you look at the 
what happened over the weekend and where we're at here the first part of the week, uh, looks like a lot more will get done even with those showers popping up. Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, you know, you're talking about temperatures in the 80s and 90s um, and dry conditions. It's, it just bodes well for everybody to get out there, especially if you're looking at the forecast and you see rain coming and multiple days of it. So uh, I'm sure there's a lot of motivation out there over the, the next couple of days since the weekend to really get out. You know, a lot of those eastern Corn Belt areas have probably had to wait from all the rain we saw last week. A lot of the uh, Indiana, Ohio, Michigan areas saw three to five inches. A couple spots saw more. So, um, you know, we're still waiting probably to dry out there. But as long as you can get out and, and get in there, I'm sure there's a lot of motivation to get out. Talking with DTM meteorologist John Baranek. All right, John, what's uh, the October forecast looking like now? Yeah, it's, it's getting a little bit more interesting. You know, we, we talked about, you know, probably the prior weeks where, you know, looks like it's going to be warm and pretty dry and great conditions throughout the whole month of October. Now, I'm not so sure. Models are really trying to, you know, put a little bit more kinks in the armor of, of some ridging going on across the, uh, the middle of the country, which would tend to produce at least some periods of, of better showers here uh, across the plains, maybe the western Corn Belt. Models are still trying to keep it a little bit dry across the eastern Corn Belt. So uh, probably a little bit better here across the eastern Corn Belt than, than the west. But um, and nothing's set in stone now. It's, it's all kind of coming into a little bit more questionable territory. Um, we don't really see a huge trend either way um, in any of the models. We've got a lot of flip-flopping and, and kind of weak signals moving through. So it's, it's kind of tough to kind of grab onto what is actually going to happen here throughout the, the whole month of October. I would say at least for the, the first half, though, we should probably stay a little bit more on the active side, uh, especially across the Western Corn Belt. And then uh, maybe towards the end of the month, we'll, we'll get closer to that, that drier and warmer period. Uh, that's basically the, the, the precipitation that we're a little bit more concerned about. I think in terms of temperatures, we'll stay, we'll stay above normal across uh, most of the, the areas east of the Rockies. So, you know, when showers don't occur, we'll, we'll have some good conditions to get out. John, what's happening with this uh, repeat La Nina, double La Nina, however you call it, uh, that you've been talking about? Yeah, double dip. You can call it whatever you want, I guess. But, yeah, second one in a row here. We're right on the verge of that from really uh, taking shape. There's two ways to kind of describe uh, La Nina. One's through atmospheric pressure. The other one's through uh, sea surface temperatures in the Pacific. And the atmosphere has been there for the, for the last few weeks, uh, indicating the La Nina has returned. Um, but we've been kind of right on the tipping point of uh, sea surface temperatures, and we continue to be just right there. So not quite there yet. looks like in the next week or two we may be able to make that distinction that, that we're solidly in a, a La Nina state. Um, but we're definitely headed there. There's no change in the models of that going away uh, for the fall season and into the winter. So it looks like we're headed there even if we're not quite there yet. What does that mean then for fall and winter weather? Yeah, for, for fall, it doesn't mean a whole lot, to be honest. Uh, La Nina has its greatest impacts over the, the winter season. And um, so during the fall here, we're a little bit more reliant on, on computer models and uh, our analogs, uh, kind of years that look similar to this one, uh, to kind of give us a guide of what's going to go on for the fall. And typically what we, we see with, under these kind of conditions are, are warmer and drier uh, falls. So, you know, kind of this uh, image of increased precipitation chances is a little bit unusual for, for what we typically see under under the conditions we're under now. So um, it's, it'll be interesting to see if that plays out or, or, or if history kind of proves to, to, to be the point here for the rest of the fall. So we get into the winter, though, we're, we're talking probably some good cold shots moving through. Uh, the north central U.S., if, if anything repeats like history, it looks like December and February uh, have the best chances of seeing a nice big cold shot come through. We have some issues for, for some livestock in that regard. Um, and uh, really what happens is over the eastern Corn Belt, we see wetter conditions throughout the course of the wintertime. So, you know, the uh, snowpack, rainfall should, uh, should continue to, to provide good soil moisture for the upcoming spring across the eastern Corn Belt. A little more variable across the western Corn Belt, though. So the drought that's already over there, if we don't get through uh, the, the fall here with some good precipitation, 
Um, and, you know, it's kind of variable is, is what we're looking at now, um, that uh, we're really going to be dependent on spring rains for, for setting this, the season up good next year in the western Corn Belt. So fall or spring to help the drought areas in the west more than winter, right? Right, yeah, we just don't get the precipitation amounts. I mean, even an above normal winter across the western plains is only like two to three inches, maybe above normal. And we're sitting, some of these areas are six, eight inches below normal for the year. So it's going to take a lot of a lot of good rain to, to really erase the drought that's been ongoing across the western Corn Belt. And what about uh, planting weather in South America? How's that looking? It's getting better for them. Uh, they saw some showers over the weekend across central Brazil. Uh, a few of those spots got over an inch. That would, you know, depending on your definition, officially start their wet season. Um, and it didn't happen everywhere. There was scattered. But those scattered showers are going to be in place here for the foreseeable future. So it looks like uh, we're really getting underway. And I know a lot of those producers are going to be really anxious and motivated to get out in the field and plant early based on what happened last year. They don't want to run into the same situation they had where they had uh, delayed plantings causing all kinds of issues for their uh, safrina corn crop in the, in the winter in the fall and winter season like they did last year. So with La Nina kind of coming into grips again, that tends to shorten their wet season. So I think they'll be really motivated to get out into the fields in central Brazil. And across the rest of South America, we've got uh, at least over the next couple of weeks uh, some pretty good chances of, of systems moving from Argentina up into southern Brazil. Um, it's going to be scattered showers, kind of like we see in the, in the U.S. here, so not widespread. And there's a lot of places in Argentina that could really use some rain for some good corn and soybean planting going on right now. Um, but they will have those chances. So overall, in, in South America, things are looking brighter for them. So a little un, unusual in a, a La Nina year as well. as Their season down there, especially in Argentina, during their spring, so our fall is their spring, remember, and uh, their, their spring gets a little on the dry side, but it looks like they've got some pretty good chances here coming up. All right, John, always good to talk with you. Thank you very much. All right, thanks, Mike. Have a good week. You too. John Baranek, DTN meteorologist. Well, the reports are out there. We talked about them last week that EPA will reduce the obligations for biofuel blending for 2020 and 2021. And um, what does that mean even going into 2022? We're still waiting for all these numbers to come out. If they are indeed lower, what does that mean for the biofuels industry? We're going to talk with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. DTN and Progressive Farmer bring producers the best content in agriculture. Each day our editors post unique content to our website, bringing you the latest news and information you need for your day-to-day -day business decisions. DTN and Progressive Farmer provide insights throughout the year to questions like, what is the outlook for corn yields in 2021? Will feed prices surge? What about land prices? And what's today's weather forecast for my farm? For more intelligence like this, visit DTNPF.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rall. Thursday, the USDA will release its quarterly grain stocks report. Also this week, Congress is debating a $1 trillion infrastructure bill, a $3.5 trillion spending bill, and if they do not act before Thursday at midnight, the government's funding expires, which will prompt a partial government shutdown on Friday. On the Board of Trade this morning, the December corn contract trading six and three quarters higher at 5.33 and a half cent. The March contract trading six cents higher at 5.40 and a 
1.5 cent for soybeans. November contract trading nine cents higher at 12.95 and a fraction. January up nine and three quarters at 13.05 for wheat. Chicago wheat December up three cents at 7.26 and three quarters. Kansas City wheat December up four cents at 7.23 and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat December up six cents at 9.22. The March contract trading six cents higher at 9.08 and three quarters. Both the cattle on feed and the hogs and pigs report came and went. It was a bearish cattle on feed report and a bullish hog report. Traders have had the weekend to digest the report and determine whether current futures have these reports already factored in. Box beef prices continued lower on Friday with choice down $2.28 and select down $0.46. Cash trade will be quiet on Monday, but with lower box beef and the bearishness of the report, it is unlikely packers will be aggressive this week. On the Board of Trade, in live cattle futures, the October contract trading two cents lower at 122.90. The December contract down a dime at 128.05. For feeder cattle, October a dollar fifty lower at 155.85. November a dollar fifty lower at 157.07. For lean hogs, the October contract trading a dollar sixty higher at 88.90. The December contract three dollars and eighty-five cents higher at 80.65. In the outside markets, the Dow is up 249 points. The Nasdaq Composite down 123. The S&P 500 down four. U.S. dollar index is trending higher. You're listening to AOA. 54. So basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going. <laughs> hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so we have some big biofuels issues to discuss with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO for the Renewable Fuels Association. But first, bear with us. You have two Cardinals fans here, and we just got to mention this. Jeff, I must admit, I never saw a 16 in a row coming. Boy, Mike, I didn't either. It, it, it just goes to show that anything is possible, and, and man, has it been fun watching the Cardinals uh, climb the standings and, and really secure that second wild card spot, huh? Indeed. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, we'll keep rooting for them and keep going. All right, so now here's something that's not fun. Uh, watching these stories come out, Reuters with a story, AgriPulse has been reporting that EPA is going to re- release these lower uh, volume levels uh, for required biofuels usage. Some reports saying 2020 would be revised to, one, uh, to 17.1 billion. The proposed 2021 volume would be set at 18.6 billion, and the 2022 proposal could come in at 20.7 billion gallons. If that's the case, what's your reaction? Well, if, if that is the case, uh, we would be completely astounded and I think we would really be scratching our heads wondering what in the world is EPA thinking um, if, if in fact they are going to propose to reduce the RFS volumes uh, you know, to, to those levels. And again, these are rumors. They've been flying around all week last week. Uh, we certainly haven't seen anything official. We haven't gotten confirmation from EPA. Uh, we've been waiting on these RVO proposals for really all year long. Um, and we, we hear we could, uh, you know, we could see them as soon as today or sometime later this week. Um, and then we'll know. We'll know what numbers EPA is proposing, and we will react accordingly. But I'll tell you what, if, if the numbers are as low as is being reported, uh, we're going to have a serious problem with that. 
and we're going to be doing everything we can to get uh, to get those volumes higher before EPA finalizes these rules. Yeah, you're still making your case to them, right? Yeah, we, we are, and, and the, thing, the thing that I really don't understand, and, and the, the case we're making probably the loudest with EPA, is why in the world would they go back in time and revisit the 2020 RVO? That, that rule was finalized all the way back in December of 2019, uh, so nearly two years ago we've had that rule uh, published in the Federal Register. Uh, you know, my member companies and refiners and farmers and everybody else saw those numbers and they went out and made decisions and then made investments based on those numbers. So now for EPA to potentially go back in time and rewrite the 2020 RVO and lower that volume so substantially makes no sense whatsoever. And of course, the argument that the refiners are using is, well, we had COVID in 2020. And so, you know, we got to go back and, and revise those numbers lower because, you know, we were uh, producing and consuming less gasoline and diesel, and so there was less volume to blend um, biofuels into. And the, 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 that argument doesn't hold water because the RFS already has a self-adjusting, self-correcting mechanism that, that really, uh, you know, forces the renewable fuel blending requirements to adjust up and down with changes in gasoline and, and diesel consumption. So the 2020 uh, rule is the one we're really keeping a close eye on and, and think it would just be beyond the pale for EPA to go back and try and adjust that volume now. We're talking with Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association. So Jeff, if the administration does indeed go with these lower numbers, and we hope they don't, but if they do, I mean, they won't come out and say it, but won't that be an indication what were they placing biofuels in the pecking order of moving forward with their climate goals? And they're obviously yep. not, they're not, if they come through with these numbers, they're not prioritizing in any way biofuels, no matter what they say. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's right, Mike. And, and we've been saying all year long that, hey, our first real test uh, for this administration on, on, on where they stand with biofuels is going to be these RVO proposals. And, and so this will be the first real decision that this administration has had to make uh, that would indicate its support or lack thereof uh, for renewable fuels. And if they follow through with the numbers that are being reported, uh, yeah, that's going to erase demand for more than 4 billion gallons of conventional renewable fuels like corn ethanol. It's going to reduce corn demand by more than a billion bushels. Um, it's going to increase gasoline consumption because if we're not using ethanol, we're going to be using gasoline in its place. And it would increase greenhouse gas emissions by 15 million metric tons by our calculations. So it, it really makes no sense when you've got an administration um, and you've got an EPA administrator and, and others in the administration that are talking about the importance of reducing greenhouse gas emissions for them to then turn around and come out with an RFS proposal that moves us backward and increases emissions just makes no sense. And it would, I think, uh, you know, send a strong signal and, and really raise some serious questions and important questions about where this administration really stands on renewable fuels. And then what would the ripple effect be through the biofuels industry? Yeah, and, and that's, that's, the, you know, that's what we're most concerned about is, is our industry is continuing to recover from COVID-19. We still haven't seen a return to uh, pre-pandemic levels of production and demand, or at least a sustained return. We've seen a few weeks where things pop up above there, but um, we haven't gotten fully back on our feet. And, and now to be hit with RVO volumes that move in the wrong direction uh, would, would deal a substantial blow to the industry. It would, it would crater the REN market. It would really remove that incentive, that marketplace incentive, to expand into higher-level blends like E15 and, and flex fuels like E85. Uh, so it's, you know, we just can't afford to go through another round of RFS mismanagement and demand destruction uh, at the hands of EPA. We, we've been dealing with that for the last several years under the Trump administration. Uh, we can't afford to go through another few years of that. would be pretty hard to hear government officials say that they're still supportive of biofuels or that their real goal is to reduce carbon and greenhouse gas emissions 
and do this to the biofuels industry when the biofuels industry right now can help deliver on those things they say they're after. If they're going to talk about, oh, we're going to build this and do this down the line yeah. and ignore what's in place now, then then how do you take those words seriously? I mean, to me, I'd be a lo uh, real loss of credibility in any statements they make after that. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's why this would be so dumbfounding, Mike, is, is you're right. I mean, it, this administration has made it a top priority to reduce emissions from not just the light-duty transportation sector, but they're also talking about aviation uh, sector emissions and, and marine uh, sector emissions, and, and, and the, you know they have promoted biofuels as a potential solution for reducing those emissions. If they, in fact, move ahead with, with these proposed volumes that we're hearing about in the media, I mean, that would mark a, a very sudden and uh, very obvious U-turn on the road toward net zero carbon emissions, which is something President Biden says he wants to achieve by mid-century. He wants economy-wide uh, to be at net zero carbon emissions. Well, you're not going to get there if we're going backward uh, with our usage of, of low-carbon biofuels. We know ethanol today, today's typical average standard corn ethanol is reducing greenhouse gas emissions by almost 50% compared to gasoline. Um, and so if you're pulling gallons of ethanol out of the system because you're, you're moving forward with weak RFS volumes, uh, you're replacing those gallons with, with high-carbon gasoline and, and diesel fuel, and, and that has an obvious negative impact on emissions. So uh, it, it just isn't consistent, um, and that's why we hope that maybe the reporting isn't right on this and that these rumors are incorrect, uh, but we're going to be doing everything we can to stop EPA from making a big mistake here, and, and they need to get the RFS back on track, not move it backward. Yeah, the announcement we should be getting from EPA in this administration is that in our goal of reducing carbon levels and greenhouse gas emissions, we are going to embrace and increase the use of the biofuels that we have available to us now as we continue to develop other forms of energy, electric vehicles or whatever, in the future moving towards this. That's the announcement yep. we should be getting. That, that, that is the announcement we should be getting, and that's, you know, the, the signals we've been getting from this administration prior to the last few weeks and, and this rumor mill around the RFS is that they were, you know, increasingly recognizing that there is going to be a need to increase our use of biofuels uh, in the decades ahead and that we can't just leapfrog liquid fuels altogether uh, to, to get to electric vehicles, that this is going to be a long-term transition. It's going to take several decades uh, to unfold. And so, you know, it felt like things were headed in the right direction, and, and that the leaders in this administration understood that there needs to be a larger role for biofuels moving forward. So that's why this comes as such a shock. Um, and again, we hope it's not accurate, and we hope the, the rumors are wrong. Uh, but if they prove to be true, and, and if these are the numbers that EPA releases, it just seems completely absurd and completely inconsistent with, with where we all know we need to be going with our use of biofuels. We've said this a lot in the last few years. In the previous administration, we wondered who got the last word in and what they said that mm -hmm. changed, seemingly changed uh, government officials' minds from what they had been publicly saying. We're kind of going through that again. So we'll see what happens yep. this week, uh, but uh, critical time for sure. Jeff, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me, Mike. All right. Take care. Jeff Cooper, president and CEO of the Renewable Fuels Association, will watch closely for those RVO uh, announcements uh, this week. What will the levels be? Coming up next, we're going to have uh, some combine maintenance tips, and we're going to get a harvest update from my area right here in Jacksonville, Illinois, West Central Illinois. That's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, Go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark 
porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. As an organ donor, your story doesn't have to end. The good in you can live on. In fact, you could save up to eight lives with your gifts. Your heart could keep beating. Your kidneys could keep filtering. And your intestines could keep on digesting for others. And that's not all. You can improve the lives of 50 more people as an eye and tissue donor, restoring sight and health. And you're not just helping out the person receiving the transplant. You're touching whole families with your life-saving gift. Register in minutes. Just go to organdonor.gov. You'll be happy you did. And just maybe, someone else will be happy too. Sign up today. Go to organdonor.gov. It saves lives. U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of bear plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. On-road or off-road, you'll find the FS lubricant you need from our full line of premium quality products. At FS, our lubricants use the highest quality base oils and latest additive technology to meet and exceed most manufacturer specifications. Advanced protection against wear ensures you'll get maximum value from both your lubricant and equipment investments. Squeeze every bit of performance out of every piece of equipment you own. Let the FS energy specialists help you go further. Go further with FS. Visit GoFurtherWithFS.com for more information. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, as we discuss how cooperatives support farmers and ranchers and build strong communities. Each week, we'll chat with voices from throughout the cooperative system, from global market access to local expertise. We'll explore how co-op ownership means you own a world of opportunities. Tune in on Tuesdays or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. 
Busy harvest season is underway. I talked recently with John Wetzel, Technical Services Manager for CHS, about taking care of that combine, making sure that it runs properly this harvest season. We know harvest is a busy time. With winter weather closed in, growers have only a limited amount of time to complete harvests, and no one wants to experience unexpected downtime, especially with the combines. And that's why it's important to follow recommended equipment maintenance. Some of the simplest maintenance steps can prevent downtime. Things like inspecting tires, belts, hoses, chains, drive components, these items are subject to continuous wear and are sometimes overlooked. It's also important to remember to clean and keep equipment like combines free of field debris, oil, and grease that can build up. Those sort of things can cause problems. In addition to those maintenance checks, which are so very important, what other things can farmers do to take care of that combine and make sure that it, that it works properly and efficiently during the harvest season? In addition, I would also add it's very important to check and replace as needed air, fuel and oil filters. Plug fuel filters, for example, can shut down equipment midstream and dirty air filters can cause dust to get in the engine and lead to excessive engine wear and tear. And it's very important, of course, to replace oil filters uh, when you drain out the old oil and replacing with, with fresh. And I would also add used oil testing. Having the used oil in your equipment test is a great way to determine the health of your equipment. Looking at the outside of your combine tells little about the condition of the internal workings of the engine or transmission. And I think of used oil analysis like providing a blood sample at a doctor's visit. The doctor can't determine much about our health by simply looking at us but a blood sample can provide critical information about our health. So in like manner, used oil analysis can detect problems before they become severe. Cenex provides a used oil program we call LubeScan. It really can diagnose the health of your equipment and reports you receive on the samples you send in will prompt you to take preventive action as needed to reduce the chance of downtime. John, what do you suggest farmers do to protect their equipment and prepare for those unknown things that always seem to come up? Well, I recommend enrolling their equipment in a warranty program such as the Senex Total Protection Plan. This program offered through our network of cooperatives covers both new and used equipment. Sign up is completed online, and once completed, owners use Senex lubricants and Ruby Fieldmaster Premium Diesel Fuel, and then also conduct the required used oil analysis through LoopScan, and that ensures full coverage of major engine and transmission components. So another busy harvest season is underway. What else should farmers be thinking about or be aware of if they need help? Well, it's very important to select the right high-quality lubricants to protect your equipment. Senex offers a full line of Maxtron synthetic oils. You can expect exceptional performance in both extreme hot and cold temperatures with Maxtron, as well as better equipment efficiency and longer life. And find I also like to encourage listeners to talk to their local Senex dealer or visit www.senex.com for more information on Senex products. That's John Wetzel, Technical Services Manager for CHS. All right, let's get another harvest update. This one right in my backyard here in West Central Illinois, Jacksonville, Illinois. We're about 30 miles west of Springfield. Harvest well underway. Joining me now is Don Hedden. Donnie, I know that you're well into harvest. Uh, you've, you've, you're into beans now. You tell me the yields are good, but the, those beans, those stems are tough. Yeah, well, we were in beans, but we switched back to corn. We've got to get a cornfield up before we can get to our beans. So we're back in the cornfield this morning. Tell, tell, me, tell us about how tough those beans have been, the challenges you've had when you were cutting beans. Well, the beans are dry down maybe to 11%. Stems are green. They've got green leaves, some green pods, and a lot of trash on the ground makes it tough, so they're really going through hard. Uh, the, the yields, though, these are early planted beans. You planted beans before corn. Uh, is that paying off, you think? Well, we were planting both at the same time. It looks like it. Uh, all we've been in so far is we're planted in early to mid-April, and probably some of the best yields we've, we've ever seen. So and what about your corn yields? Yeah, what about corn, your corn yields so far? Corn is kind of on par. Uh, corn is kind of on par from where, where it has been. Uh, nothing spectacular. There's, you see some good yields there, but there's always a spot in the field that, that brings it down to back to reality, I guess. But, Weather, for the most part, since you started harvesting, has cooperated. You've been able to go pretty hard. Yeah, it has been very good weather. Uh, we had one rain day last week. We had enough rainy day things that it was busier than the rest. So it's gone very well, Mike. 
Um, when you first started, some of those moisture levels were still pretty high, but they came down in a hurry, didn't they? Yeah, well, that's maybe a concern now that we're going to get things too dry. Uh, we've got this hot weather and a lot of high winds. So uh, there's a danger of getting a storm past where it should be. So you can only do so much during the day. Um, I know there's always that question for farmers about using fungicides, and uh, many made that decision to go with them this year. Do you, do you feel that's paid off? It looks like it. Uh, we pretty much hit 99% of everything except maybe one field where we had uh, trees all around it and there wasn't a good place to spray. Uh, what I've heard some people who tried both, it looks like the fungicide is paying. So uh, I would imagine we're going to be in next year the same way. And you mentioned planting corn and beans kind of about the same time, uh, but those beans are getting planted earlier and earlier, and that seems like it'll be the case for a while yet, right? You know, I think so. We had a cold spring and a, and a frosty time in there after we planted them, and uh, these things survived all that. Uh, for the most part, I mean, we had some spots where they, where they froze out, but if it makes it this year, uh, I, I don't know why we wouldn't just keep doing it that way. I've heard some talk about planting way early in the, in the wintertime if possible. I don't think we're quite ready for that. <laughs> wow. All right, Donnie, I'll let you get back to harvesting. Thanks for the update. Talk to you later, Mike. All right, Donnie Hedden, he farms with his son Jason uh, here in Jacksonville, Illinois. We're about 30 miles west of Springfield. Well, that'll wrap it up for today. Tomorrow, a Washington update. Should be a busy one as we talk with Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley. Thanks for joining us today. Hope you'll be back with us again tomorrow right here on AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils, oils that run smart. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend crop system. See program details at sprayearlyguarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions.